You are listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. We hope this teaching deepens your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to share your faith with others. Please enjoy the message. If you don't know by now, uh, I love country music. I mean, it's just the best genre of all music, right? Uh, if you look at my Spotify rap from last year, the top three artists were all country artists. So you can bet your sweet cheeks that I was listening to that new Luke Combs album all weekend long. It came out on uh, on Friday, and it, it it's just an absolute slapper top to bottom. Um, Friday was also my wife and I's anniversary. This was our 10-year anniversary. We've been together for 10 years. There's us looking cute. And then there's a picture of us from 10 years ago. Still just as cute, um, if I say so myself. I won't let you be the judge of that. Um, but anyway, it was, it was a good weekend is all I'm trying to say. And God showed up in pretty cool ways. Um, here's how. I also, in addition to listening to country music, love listening to podcasts. And there was a podcast episode where these two worlds kind of collided. Now, I typically listen to informative podcasts, Christian things or something about theology just to kind of like grow in my understanding. It's really nerdy. I know. Sorry, I'm a loser. I'm not into like the true crime things or stuff like that. But um, I listened to one and I wanted to confess it to you. This is, this is Ren in confession mode right now. Last week, I listened to an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. <sighs> I know. And a gasp went over the people. I did, um, but that's not even the worst part. <laughs> the worst part is I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. Now, I'm not condoning listening to the Joe Rogan podcast necessarily. I'm not not. It's just it's out there. If you're old enough, then go for it. I'm just saying I did it, and I liked it. And here's why I bring this up, because I had a God moment while listening to it, and here's why. The guest on his show, if you don't know, Joe Rogan just sits down and he has like long form conversations, interviews basically with, with people just shooting the breeze for like three hours on end. And his guest this time was Luke Combs. And I was like, okay, two of the best ever. Like Joe Rogan's podcast is number one in all, like on Spotify. L- Luke Combs is number one in my heart. And I was like, when these two guys talk together, uh, what is going to happen? What are they going to say? What are they going to talk about? I was so interested and so fascinated. So there's this one point in the episode where Luke Combs is reflecting back on a song he had written on a previous album. And the song is called, Even Though I'm Leaving. And you might have heard of it before, but for those of us who might be unfamiliar with the song or have different tastes in music, essentially the song goes like this. There's the first verse and there's a a little boy and he's afraid of the dark and that there are monsters under his bed. And so his dad comes in and he, he, he consoles him for a minute and, and he basically says, look, son, um, I'm going to tuck you back in, right? And I'm going to walk out of your room. <laughs> you know, you're good. We've all been there. Some of y'all, this is just last night. And you're like, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, and the dad goes, even though I'm leaving, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm still going to be right here even though I'm not physically in the room. So then the next verse comes up and the boy is grown up and he's going off to war to fight for our country. And, and the boy then looks at his dad. He's like, dad, even though I'm leaving, 
I'm not going anywhere. I'll always be here with you in, in your heart and stuff like that, right? So it's nice. And, and he comes back from war and the last verse is the dad is dying. And the dad is looking at his son, you know, about just in his last moments. And, and he looks at him and he says, son, even though I'm leaving, I'm not going anywhere. I'll always be right here with you. And Luke Combs goes on to describe um, what this song has meant to a lot of his fans over the years who have lost loved ones, especially even in war or lost a dad in particular. And he said he'll get letters from fans. He'll, he'll have conversations with fans after concerts and stuff. He'll even see people in the crowd in the front rows, just, just arms around one another, just crying because of what this song has meant to them. And as I was listening to it, I had this thought of like, if I, if I was leaving, what would I say? What would be my last words? What would the last thing I say be? What, what's the last thing I would want my wife to know? I was reflecting on this because, like I said, just had our 10-year anniversary, and I thought, like, man, if I had that moment, what would I say? What, what would I say to my kids? What would I say to all of you if I knew my time was coming to an end? It would probably be the most important thing I could imagine. It, it would probably mean more t- to you, the recipient, the hearer, than almost any other thing I've ever said. Because we save that moment for the most important thing we can possibly conjure. I'm going to leave you with this, right? You'd, and you'd always remember it. The last things you said was this. There's even a whole thing around this called famous last words, right? We, we know a lot of famous last words, and this is why because they're usually just these profound, deep, and important phrases. Um, And so over the next few weeks, as we move closer to Easter, which, as we know, are Jesus' kind of last moments on earth before he gave his life, we're going to be looking at some of his famous last words in this series called Before I Go. Some of the things that he wanted his people to know before he left. All right? Some of those things where when Jesus said, look, before I go, there are some things I don't want you to forget. And here they are. So for his listeners then, they, they wanted to listen. They wanted to write them down. They wanted to remember them forever because they were the most important things. And we have the luxury of having them written today and being able to read them in a little thing called the Bible. And so that's pretty cool. So that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks leading up to Easter. And I know I'm not the only one, but helping remember is important, right? Because we tend to forget things pretty easily, right? Anybody like super forgetful? Like you forgot like what to to even put on shoes before you came here? Like that type of forgetful? Yeah, stanky, stanky. Forgot about, some of y'all forgot to raise your hand just now. Yeah, life's busy, life's crazy. Some of us might forget to do our homework sometimes. You ever have that excuse with a teacher? It's like, I forgot about that assignment that you reminded me about 1600 times. We forgot where we put our AirPods down, you know? We'd be losing those things all the time. We forgot where we put the remote. We forgot to wear our retainer. I still do that. We forgot to pick our kids up from school. Oh, that's just me. Well, that happened once. <laughs> yeah, they, the school called me. They're like, uh, is anyone coming? Oh, shoot. It was my day. Sorry. But forgetting the small things that might not seem like that big of a deal, and oftentimes it's not, but forgetting the big things can be a real bummer, especially when it comes to our faith. Like, there are small things, right, that we all know about faith. We're like, you know, like, I can pray and then, like, talk to God anytime, and, um, like, he loves me. Like, woo-hoo. like, we know these things, but for some of the bigger, more difficult things, there are other things about our faith that we tend to forget. 
And for a lot of us, we kind of forget when God was good and when he came through. And the thing that we remember is when God failed us or when God let us down or when God didn't show up how we wanted him to show up. When he, God, the the apparent all-powerful one, the creator and sustainer of the universe who just spoke everything into existence, apparently didn't seem to do anything when my parents were getting a divorce, didn't seem to do anything when my boyfriend was cheating on me, didn't seem to do anything when that friend that I trusted ruined my reputation by sharing something that that I shared with this person in confidence all over the school. Now everyone knows it was supposed to just be between us. Where was God then? Where's God in my mental health struggle, right? Where, where is God in, in me trying and trying and trying at school or sports and never being good enough? Where is he there? Well, I want us to turn to Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to spend a little while setting up this passage because this is one of those passages that if you've spent any time in church, you've probably heard before, and we can kind of remember it but we forget some of the other stuff that's going on inside of the passage. So to set the scene for us in Luke chapter 22, you can get there in your Bible or Bible app or whatever on your phone and and kind of see this context if you want to. But what was going on was Jesus and his closest friends were sitting down together to share a meal. They were going to have some dinner. Yep. But it wasn't just any dinner. This was Passover. And the significance of Passover is this. Passover was a traditional meal to remember how God rescued the Israelites, God's chosen people, out of Egypt. They were enslaved there, about 600,000 of them. Now, it's called Passover because while the Israelites were in slavery, God sent a messenger named Moses to the Egyptian Pharaoh. He would be like the leader of Egypt who was enslaving God's people. And this guy, Moses, um, called by God, he goes to to Pharaoh and he's like, look, um, we built this whole city for you. Like, let us go. You all know the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, my people go. No. We got to play that in here next time. But that's where the song came from that no one knows about. <laughs> Someone, one person knows it. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yes. All right. Some people have heard of Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Anyway, it's <laughs> so this is Moses and Pharaoh. He, he, I mean, Moses is like, let my people go. Right. Um, Pharaoh's like, no, stay in slavery. Um, so God is like, bet I'm going to, I'm going to send plagues on all of Egypt then. So, you know, I'm serious about my people. I sent Moses to say, let him go. If you're not going to listen to him, you're going to listen to me. This is the voice of God. And the plagues were chill at first. They were chill plagues. They were like bugs, like a lot of locusts flying around. It's like, ah, get a fly swatter, deal with the plague. Not a big deal. There were frogs, one plague. Okay, whatever. Just get your stomping boots on and just curb stomp some frogs. It's like not that big of a deal, right? But then the plagues got more serious because Moses kept going to Pharaoh. I mean, like, let us go, man. And Pharaoh was like, no. So God was like, "Mm, I'm ramping up the plagues. I'm ramping up the plagues. They got gnarlier and gnarlier, like boils all over people's skin, just looking all nasty. And eventually, the last one of all, I was like, all right, you're running out of chances. My patience is getting a little bit thin. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to kill 
the firstborn in everyone's house in the middle of the night. You're going to wake up the next morning, and that's what's going to happen if you don't let my people go. Pharaoh was like, he lying. He can bring frogs and bugs, but he can't do that. So he calls the bluff. He's like, still not letting the people go. So God instructed all of the Israelites, the people in slavery, his people, to kill a lamb and smear the blood of the lamb on their doorpost to indicate that this is a house that this, this angel of death should pass over in the middle of the night when he's coming to do his thing and preserve the Israelites and God's people. And catch something, a lamb, an innocent, perfect lamb who never did anything wrong, died. His blood was poured out to cover and to preserve and to save the people who had faith in God. See the correlation here? Anyway, the Israelites obeyed. Their kids were saved and Pharaoh finally let them go. So every year they made a habit out of remembering. And this is what the Passover meal was all about. They had bread. The bread was unleavened bread, meaning that there was no yeast in it. It didn't have time to rise because they had to get the heck out of there so fast. They didn't have time to let no bread rise. So they were just eating all this flat, janky bread, right? They had wine because wine, it's not like they were just trying to party, okay? The, the wine, they had juice. It has naturally occurring yeast and sugars in it. Whenever yeast consumes sugar, the byproduct is, is just alcohol, okay? This is what happens. There was no refrigerators back then. So it just turned alcoholic. That, it, it helped it last longer. It was like a preservative. So that's why traditionally for years, hundreds of years, they would have bread and wine to remember that God had passed over and, and people whose faith is in God can be saved. This is why Jesus and his friends were eating bread and wine that night. The problem is that Jesus' friends didn't know that this is the last supper that they would ever have together. See, see, Jesus, he ate this, he did this to remember Passover. But now we do it to remember Jesus. So in Luke chapter 22, here's how it went, starting in verse 19. He, being Jesus, took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, his followers, his friends, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Now, we read that, but they would have known at the time, like it's not physically, literally, actually his body, like it's a representation of his body. Okay, this represents my body would be a better way to read it, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so they ate some. And then after supper, he, he, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. If you'll remember, we've talked about this in here before. There was an old covenant where people had to obey the law and there were 613 of them. And, and doing that um, and with a little animal sacrifice was kind of the arrangement that God and his people had at that time for righteousness or right standing with him. But now Jesus is saying, there's a new thing happening here. We don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to become that and pay the ultimate price for you forever. And so now all you have to do is just believe in me and have faith in me and you're just as good as if you were to live the perfect life and follow um, all of the laws, even if you don't, 
I'm doing it for you. So that's what he means by new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, just like the lamb that was, the blood that was smeared over the doorposts, just like the animals that were sacrificed um, for, for, for God, like all of the years prior. Now he's saying mine is gonna pour out, the innocent one, the lamb of God that has never made any mistakes as a sacrifice for you. And when he says you, he's talking about you, me, us, This was Jesus's way of saying, listen, even though I'm leaving, I'm not going anywhere. That's why I had the God moment when I was listening to the Joe Rogan experience. Because Jesus knew he was about to die for them, just like the innocent blood of the lamb hundreds of years prior, but this time once and for all, everyone ever, past, present, and future. His disciples knew the implications of those words he was saying that, oh shoot, this tradition that thousands of people have done, this tradition of Passover is about to change forever. It's about to be different forever. Now when we eat it, we don't do it to remember Passover. We do it to remember Jesus, his sacrifice for us, his great love for us, how he selflessly put himself in our place, how he lived the life that we couldn't live and he died the death that we deserve so that we could be in right standing with God once and for all. But my question has always been this. Like, does it have to be bread and juice or wine, you know? Because some people take this really seriously, like Catholic churches and stuff, they, it's like wine, you know what I'm saying? And, and probably for most of us, if we've ever taken communion, it's, it's with bread and wine or juice of some kind, right? Now, we do that because that's what Jesus kind of did. But I wonder, could we get into the habit of remembering what Jesus did no matter what we're eating, if we're eating anything, at the time that was normal food for them. But what is normal food for you? Yeah, for me, it's hot Cheetos and Red Bull. Like that's my communion. I'm like, thank you God for your body that was broken for me, hot Cheeto. Thank you for the, for the blood that was poured out to save me, Red Bull. Slam the whole thing, one shot. It, it took training, y'all, conditioning. Maybe for you, it's a frozen pizza. Mm, the body. DiGiorno. It's not delivery. <sighs> and a Dr. Pepper. That's the blood, right? Maybe for you, it's some P. Terry's. This is why people pray before they eat. They don't even know it. They don't even know why they pray before they eat. Like, why do we pray before we eat a meal like every time? It's, it's, it's because it's something that you pretty much do every single day. And, and it, there's body and blood like represented the sacrifice of Jesus in it. But we don't even know to think like that and to remember what he did for us while we're eating and drinking anything. But we can, we can think like that while we're eating and drinking everything if we want to. It's up to you. It's a mindset. So next time you're eating your Greek salad and your kombucha, you health freaks, <gasps> remember what Jesus did for you. <laughs> hey, Kombucha is delicious. Give me the scoby. So what's something Jesus has done in the past? What is something that Jesus has done in the past that'd be helpful for you to remember today? Something where he came through. Something where he showed himself his power. Maybe 
someone was healed. Maybe someone was saved. Maybe someone turned their life around. Maybe someone overcame an addiction. Maybe that person is you. Or maybe it's, it's like, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know when or if God has ever come through for me. But I do believe that he gave his life for me. And that's maybe what we want to remember. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. To learn about our mission, gatherings, and more, please follow us on Instagram at rbyouth or check out our website at riverbend.com students. If you were encouraged by this message, please subscribe, rate us, and consider sharing our channel with a friend. Available anywhere you get podcasts.